Welcome to University Hill, located on the campus of the University of British Columbia in beautiful Vancouver. Each week, we gather on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Musqueam people. We worship, sing, pray, and engage with scripture as we seek to grow in faith and as followers of Jesus. We pray that this podcast of scripture passages and sermons preached will bless your own faith journey. And of course, you're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning. Check out uhill.net for a Zoom link and more information. A reading from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 to 9. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes no water to boil, to make your name known in it to your adversaries, so that the nations uh, might tremble at your presence. With awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for them. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember in your ways, but were but you were angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not hot remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. It is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Uh, God, for the gift of your word, we give you thanks. As we enter into this new season, uh, we pray that you would help us to be more attentive, that you would help us to listen for your word, uh, that that word would shape our lives, that it would strengthen our resolve, that it would instill in us a deep hope Uh, just because you long to be known by us. So we pray that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts and minds would be acceptable in your sight. And we ask it in Jesus' name, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. I, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of feeling the words of the prophet these days. I mean, Isaiah names a pretty serious desire, doesn't he? I mean, this is the heart of the season that we're moving into as the church. And I'm not sure there's been a time in my lifetime where I think, you know, we've collectively needed Advent more. I know historians would tell me that things have been and could be and certainly uh, could be worse. Even those of you with a longer view of things could probably point to a time when maybe we were going Uh, further sideways than things seem to be going now. But this year has held a lot, hasn't it? I mean, even those of us who have made it this far relatively unscathed can't quite ignore the heaviness of this day, The, the sadness of those who can't be with loved ones, the worry for those whose health is at risk. Uh, On top of all the disruption of COVID, I mean, there's still the enormous challenges 
in the world that feel utterly overwhelming. The, the rise of divisiveness and nationalism, the degradation of the planet, the astronomical distance between rich and poor. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that a vaccine is not going to make go away. And then there's, there's stuff in our own lives, our own private hurts and challenges and worries and wounds, our own fears and failures. It's no surprise to me that lots of people feel like they're carrying a massive weight. And I just want to hug my friends again. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. You know, God, we're just about ready for you to do something about this. Now, again, even if you're, you're, things are going fairly well for you, and I would be foolish to suggest that in the grand scheme of things, my life isn't pretty charmed. Even so, Isaiah invites us to have a good look around. Now, he reminds us, like St. Paul, that we're in this together, that when one person celebrates, we celebrate, but if even one person weeps, we join them. Now, we, we know that for all the goodness in the world, there's an awful lot of weeping. Isaiah invites us to see it. You know, scholars will tell us that the book of Isaiah is really three different chunks, uh, three distinct parts. The first chunk is the prophet trying to get Israel to behave themselves or they'll get what's coming to them and get sent into exile. The second chunk is the prophet still bringing God's word to the people who got what was coming to them and were sent into exile. After the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem and dragged off anyone worth dragging off. And then the third chunk, the part that we're in today, is after the exile has ended, when the people have been allowed to return to their homeland. This is the part where things are starting to be made right, where, where things are supposed to be turning around. The prophets in Jerusalem, the, the people are back in the land they've been taken from, but the city is still in rubble. The temple is a heap of scorched rocks. All our pleasant places have become ruins, the prophet says a couple verses after what we heard. You can see him standing in the smoldered ash heap of the place that used to be God's own house. Take a look around, he says. All is not well. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. I, Isaiah names a pretty serious desire. He names a deeply felt need. He wants another Sinai. Right? Echoing through this prayer is a memory. He's calling out uh, not to the God who might not be able to do something about the mess he's standing in. You know, This is the God uh, who took down mighty Egypt for the sake of a bunch of slaves. This is the one who split the seas and made uh, bread fall from heaven. This is the one who led the people in pillars of smoke and fire. The one who brought the people to the foot of Mount Sinai and made the mountain shake with holiness. This is the God who showed up in storm clouds and lightning and made a band of captives, the free people of the God who made heaven and earth. Isaiah is calling out to the God who has done this sort of thing before. From ages past, he says, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. We've seen this before. We know Sinai wasn't a one-off, God. This is how you are. But can you, can you, have you seen what's going on? Are you, are you paying any attention at all? 
know, if you would just show up and, and shake a mountain or two, then the world around would know that your way is the way things ought to be. You know, we need some holy fireworks to startle this self-absorbed world back into obedience, into righteousness and justice, back into life. Rock us out of spiritual laziness, stagger us out of complacency, tear open the heavens and come down. If you would just take out the evildoers like you used to do, then we could get back to gladly doing right. And I know we haven't done that exactly, God. You promised to be our God and that we would be your people. And we have on occasion chosen other gods, lesser gods, more convenient gods, shinier gods. We haven't exactly kept up our side of the bargain, but mostly you've let us do our thing even when it wasn't yours. So, so isn't this kind of your fault too? I mean, if you were here like you were at Sinai, if we could hear your thundering righteousness again, if we could see the ne'er-do-wells collapse in your presence like we used to, then everything would be right. If you would just tear open the heavens and come down, we wouldn't be so stuck with ourselves. If you would just show up, we wouldn't have to trust that you're working for the good for those who wait, because heaven knows we aren't very good at trusting, and we haven't been very good at waiting either. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. We need something we aren't expecting from the God who does things we don't expect. You know, Isaiah is good company in Advent. Advent is the season of waiting, right? It recalls the long wait, the really long wait, hundreds of years from Abraham to Jesus, from the promise that God would do something about the mess of things to its fulfillment. And Advent makes us linger in the long wait that we're part of, right? Because we're still waiting, aren't we? The promise is begun, but it's not obviously all the way there. The, the biblical vision of heaven is this tension between victory hymns sung by countless throngs because God in Christ has overcome the death-dealing ways of the world and also this deep yearning of the faithful to see finally the world that God wants a world watered and washed by the river of life, nourished by life's tree, whose leaves are for the healing of the nations, a world where every tear is wiped away and every belly is filled. And Advent allows that we're still yearning. We're still waiting. We're still joining our hearts and voices with the saints who cry, how long, O oh Lord, how long until everything is made right? I think Isaiah is good company in Advent, at least as we start the season, because Isaiah helps us to name the hard stuff. He helps us to drag the weight of all the stuff, the rubble and waste and anger and sorrow into God's presence. And he helps us give God what for for it in a way that good, polite church people generally aren't supposed to do. You know, Isaiah helps us throw a bit of a holy temper tantrum if that's what we need to do. He helps us work up the nerve to let God know just how we feel, even if we feel like spitting nails. He helps us to know that we're not alone and we're not wrong if we've had just about enough of waiting. I have to be honest, it catches me off guard a little bit when Isaiah gets up on his hind legs and yells at God, it's your fault. You hid yourself from us. That's why we sin. That's why things are a mess. Don't you dare forget who's God and who are the humans in this. And I'm not sure I have the guts to say that exactly, but Isaiah does. 
And I'm not even sure he's exactly right, but I'm sure glad someone else feels the way I sometimes feel. And it's good to know that even when I feel that way, even when I'm seething that God has not torn apart the heavens and done something about the things I think God ought to have done something about in my life or in the world, even then I'm allowed in God's presence. Even when all of my best efforts have failed like a leaf in November, when they, they've all fallen to the ground, all soggy and stepped on, even then I'm allowed in God's presence. Even when, because of frustration or arrogance or impatience, I haven't bothered to reach for God, like the prophet says, let alone even tried to take a hold of God or to touch the edge of God's robe, even in my ignorance and anger and hurt, I'm still allowed in God's presence. When all I can do is sit in the rubble of the place where I always thought God would be. When, I, when I've got nothing left but this squeaky and pathetic prayer. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Even then, I'm still allowed in God's presence. And if we'll let Isaiah help us get some stuff off of our chest, instead of distracting uh, all the distracting ways that we find not to deal with God, we'll probably find ourselves deep in the paradox that is our hope. What our ancestors of faith have known for just about ever, that God isn't just our God when things are going well, but it's not too small a thing for God to be our God when things are a mess. God isn't just our God when we can sing hallelujah and holy, 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 but even when our teeth are clenched and our guts are tied in knots. God will not only be our God at the foot of Mount Sinai, but God will also be our God in the rubble. It may seem like a weird hope, but it's ours and it's everything. And it points us back again and again to the one who has done and is doing and will do things we don't expect. The one whose ways and thoughts aren't ours, thanks be. Isaiah reminds us that the God we would accuse of not showing up, or at least not fast enough, is still our God. The one like whom no eye has seen, no ear has heard. The God we need. By letting us bring our whole selves, all the junk that binds and weighs down and squelches life, Isaiah somehow managed to, to point us to the one who sets captives free and raises the dead. The one who doesn't storm through the heavens, but arrives in the, through the body of a young woman from the sticks. The one who will not remain hidden, but shows up when and where and how we least expect it and gives up everything for our sake. You know, it may be a little tentative, but Isaiah ultimately gets us to say the great and yet that sends hopeful tremors through our beautiful and bungled lives. And yet, O oh Lord, you are our Father. And yet, O oh Lord, we are the clay and you are the potter. And yet, O oh Lord, we're all the work of your hands. Now, when we're, when we're bold to bring our whole selves into God's presence, we discover that our anger and our worry and all the other things that we might try to keep hidden are all seen and heard by the divine parent that can hold it all. You know, God can handle our temper tantrums and worse. God is not shocked by our anger and our frustration. God will not turn away from our pain, but God will take it. 
and God will hold it and hold us until we are healed in the arms of a love that stretches from heaven to earth and even farther. Isaiah reminds us that the, the same God we want to rend the heavens and shake mountains is the one whose hands have lovingly molded us together. He helps us see, sometimes through tears, that our lives bear the fingerprints of the God who does beautiful and unexpected things. Our lives, yours and mine, in all their mess and glory, just as we are, are reminders of God's grace that is before and after everything. Now we are because God delighted it to be so. We are all the works of God's hands. Every breath a reminder that in the beginning God made this world for joy and delight and love and that in the end that will be the way it is too. And nothing will take it away. And nothing can make it otherwise. And maybe we can only know that in God's presence. I don't think it's self-evident. But that's the nature of hope. We can't see it, but we can know it. And we can know it because we've seen it before. Right? We've looked around and seen the glory of a world that uh, need not be, but is. We, we've heard God whisper impossible promises to, to old people and to kids. We've seen God make prophets out of cowards and shepherds or kings out of shepherds. We've watched God rescue slaves and overmatched tyrants. We've heard the word that made all things pierce the night in the cries of a newborn. We've seen the love that shaped and shakes mountains come close enough to touch, to heal, to hold, to break a loaf of bread and pass it around as a promise that everything that would break us will be broken, that nothing will separate us from the love of God. We've heard the one who shows up impossibly, even in the midst of our fears and our grief, and says, peace be with you, and makes us new in the way that only he can. We've seen the lengths to which our God will go to love us and this beautiful and broken world. And Isaiah helps us see it again, maybe for the first time. This is how our God is. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. And may we be ready. Amen. Amen.